Hi, friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. We are barely alive. Yeah. Can you hear that? Yeah. There's an airplane flying over me, and my mic is picking it up so much on my, like, audio that I can see. It's so loud. Wait. I don't know what they're doing. They're flying all over the place. So, if you hear an airplane, or, yeah, it's an airplane. Well, I don't know if this is, like, common for everyone, but I guess because we do live on an island where all of our airports are, like, 45 minutes apart to an hour apart, we have a lot of, like, air show practices above us and, like, snowbirds and stuff like that, so... I think that's kind of unusual for some places. Yeah, there's always airplanes flying around. I actually, my parents' house, which we've lived there for like 15 or 20 years, they still live there. Um, They live right behind the airport. And so Mm. we always got to watch the air shows. There's Airplanes are just like a normal sound in my world, but um, (laughs) for anyone. Yeah, trains were a very normal sound in mine. I had train tracks in my backyard. Yeah. So trains to me are like... And fire halls. My last, like, my condo across the street from the fire hall. I wouldn't hear a fire truck now in my sleep if I, like, had to. Which is kind of scary. It's a little scary. (laughs) But again, my environment doesn't change. It's just I hear a faint noise. But I think if I was to hear, like, a fire truck outside my house, I'd be like, WTF? Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. But when we were in Montreal... There was an airport, like, a block from the apartment we were staying in, so we literally, like, watched airplanes take off from the couch. Fun. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, what were we just talking about? We were talking about something, and then you said we should record before airplanes. we talk about it. No, we were talking oh, about moving. We were talking about how I moved this weekend, and this was my most adult move I've ever done. And not, like, where I moved to or that, but, like how I moved. Like how organized you were and how swift it went? Yeah. Yeah. So I brought home three, like, well, no, two to five boxes a day from work. I packed those boxes as I went. I was, like, all moved out pretty much within, like, a day. I was, like, my bed was set up. I slept in my bed the first night when I, I made sure that my like new cable stuff that was mailed to me in advance so I had internet day one was like set up and just like sitting there all day so it was like beep boop beep doing its thing I was just like really organized yeah and I have moved with you before and I can attest to the fact that that is the most organized that you have been (laughs) I know and I'm like a moderately organized mover to begin with I think but like that sounds, I always turn into uh, a bit of a shit show at the end. That sounds efficient, though. So I'm very oh. happy for you because moving is stressful. Like, we all get that. Moving is uh-huh. not super fun. I mean, it can be fun, but overall it's just stressful because you have to pack up all your stuff and then you're living in turmoil. Like, we were just talking about you're just living in boxes for, like, at least a week. Well, and I'm, like, a major control freak. And my spouse is an overtly helpful person, which can sometimes be, like, I get mad at him for being helpful because he's not doing it my way. So it's, like, not the best. And I think you can maybe attest to that quality in yourself a little bit. You'll be like, why don't we do it this way? And they're like, no, I like this. And you're like, 
I need you to do it my way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. I get it. Certain things. So that's always hard, just like relinquishing a little bit of control because I really wanted everything where I wanted it and how I wanted it. But I've, I think I've been really good. Like I've just kept my mouth shut. And if he is doing something and it might not be how I want, I'll just go do something in a different room for a bit. Like he's not doing it wrong. He's just doing it different. Yeah. And I'm not good with that. I have learned that as long as it gets done, if it's done, it's done. Uh, yeah. Brandon can be really particular about how he wants things done, too, and we've just kind of learned to go with it. Coexist. Well, not even coexist, but he's gotten really good at knowing, like, how I would like something. Um, I feel like he can, like, see my visions now, you know? He gets it. Mm. He gets the vision. Um, yeah. And I, I know how he likes certain things. So, yeah, you just got to support one another and work together yeah I feel like I'm also doing a lot of like before I do this what do you think Mm -hmm. and like after I do it like do you like this or would you rather it this way and I'm trying but like I think I made like one big change when we got here about where we were putting furniture and it was immediately like he realized that like okay I'm just gonna trust you yeah so it's funny because the other day Brandon asked me something about the yard. So we've been doing a lot of yard renos. You know this. There's a lot going on back there. It's actually coming together. Stunning. It's it's coming together very nicely. Um, But through that process, we have worked out a lot of these things because we have had to communicate and, you know, ask each other what we would think of this and that because we both... We both are very it's invested. very shared space, too. When we're, very, we're both very invested in the space. I think if you have one person that doesn't mm-hmm. really care and then one person who's, like, really invested, then that's different. But we both are really excited about the space. So he asked me something the other day about his building the deck, uh, which is not really something I have a lot of knowledge or control over at all. That's, like, his baby, his domain. I kind of just said, you have at her. Um, but he came and you he, do you boo. Yeah, but he came and he asked me something about it, and I kind of said, "Well, like if I say no, can you even change it, like construction wise?" And he was like, "Well, not really, but I just want to get your opinion on it, anyways." I'm like, well, why? Why does it matter? But those are yeah, man. Those are the times where if you just ask us, and God forbid we do have a different opinion, well, then honestly, we're gonna be more annoyed that you asked and couldn't change it. But he said, and this changed my opinion on that because that's where I was going with it. And he said, well, if I don't communicate with you about this, where does it end? Where, where do I? When do I just stop? Not commun- Then we're not communicating about anything. And I was like, okay, you know what? Fine. I can appreciate that damn you it, Brennan. that you are committed. I know sometimes you just are like, damn it, uh, committed to the to the communication. So I think more communication is always. Brennan has than some less. very wise one liners. He does. I it's, will give him that. He has these very like. It's something else. It's funny <laughs> because sometimes I think he's almost like disapproving of what someone's saying or doing because he gets this little like sour face almost. But then I think he's just like processing it, and then he'll just have one line that's like. And I'm like, very wise. Damn. And you're like, yeah. Okay. Damn. Yeah. So anyways, um, I no longer ask him why he's asking me a question about construction decisions. Hmm. Because if he stops there, where does it end? Does that mean you have to ask him about all your little aesthetics, though? Because then he might just get annoyed. (laughs) No, I mean, we kind of already talk about them all. Brandon's very invested in things like house decor and stuff like that. Fair. Yeah, I got one of those, too. He's one of those guys that actually does care about what the space looks like. And so I 
I don't feel like it's useless asking him. I think a lot of the mm-hmm. times um, we can just feel like it's useless asking guys because they're like, well, I don't know, I don't care. But he always gives me a thoughtful answer. So I usually ask anyways. He's a gem. I know. We'll keep him. We're definitely going to keep him. And again, I know we have joked about this, and it's kind of a weird thing to say, but he is kind of like you've taken the few, like, qualities from each past boyfriend and relationship that you've, like, learned from. <laughs> that I found liked. this one person <laughs> that has, like, amalgamated them all. And it's, like, very weird sometimes to, like, think about, like, your, like, quote-unquote list and then look at Brandon and be like, yep. Yeah. I know. He, he checks them. I know. So lucky. Everybody deserves uh, a Brandon. I always say that. He, is, he really is such a gem. But this is he not is. a podcast about my boyfriend, um, though we do love to praise him. It is Podcast by Proxy, a Canadian true crime podcast. Um, true. Crime. Crime. <laughs> crime in Canada. So even though last week you did a case in Quebec... No, I'm going to soon. Or sorry, you're going to? I wasn't trying to, like, cut you off or anything. (laughs) Wait, what case? Oh, now I'm worried I did the case you're doing. Why? What case is it? Maybe not. What case are you doing? Is it a judge? No. Okay, then no. You're good. Okay, no, no, we're good. Because I just picked a case suggestion and then it just happened to be in Quebec. And that's why I was like... It's not a case suggestion that I'm doing. It's a... You heard it here first, people. That's actually how we communicate about cases sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like, I, or we have gotten through halfway of our research and been like, has the other person covered this? That's only happened like once that we one of us have, has actually started it before, but we really should get a better system after almost three years. We should have a tracker. Well, I did tag the email under my name Ooh. for the case suggestion, so I thought that was a pretty good system. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll just be in Quebec anyway. for a couple of weeks. That's fine. We're going east. We're, We're going to vacation there. We're going to stay you there. Know what, guys? I just went on vacation. Now podcast by proxy is going on vacation. It is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. And this case actually takes place in um, what's called Gaspésie, and that's where I was for one of the weddings by oh. fluke. So it came full circle. That it is, was meant to be. That is fitting, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, June 5th, 1953. We're going way back. In Gaspésie, Quebec, Eugene Lindsay and his 17-year-old son, Richard, and a friend of his, 20-year-old Frederick Claire, it's like Claire with two A's, it's kind of cute, um, are going on like a celebratory hunting trip because they're all avid hunters and Richard had recently graduated high school So his dad was taking him and a friend away to go hunting. I guess that's like the equivalent to my mom taking me and a friend shopping. I don't fucking know. (laughs) I mean, fair. Yeah, I would say so. (laughs) It's very similar. But to each their own, please be as ethical as you need to be. And can be, which is very. (laughs) June 5th, they leave on this trip. However, on the 9th, Their trip is kind of stalled, and that's because their car is actually stalled. They can't figure out quite what's wrong with it, so they're taking it off to the side of the road, taking a look at what could be wrong. Um, It could be kind of a number of issues, though, because for anyone who lives out east, you know the road conditions are horrendous, so they're driving on 
very bumpy roads. Again, I don't think much time or money was put into roads back in the 50s anyway, if any. But anyway, his car was in poor conditions and driving on these bumpy roads wasn't helping. As well as along this trip, they had also had like some engine flooding um, and then like other poor conditions within the engine. Like they didn't really do a tune-up, we'll say, before this trip. Fair. So like everything was kind of running at like, eh. So, but anyway, no, there wasn't one single thing causing the yeah, breakdown. Yeah, exactly. Every, the thing was just kind of wrong. They have a lemon, if you will. It's like the kind of car that by the time they get home, it'll have had a full tune-up because along the way, they'll have had to top everything up or change it. Fair. Like, it's just how it's going to work. But that's kind of the car you take on a hunting trip. It's like your big beater. It's your 4 by 4 That's That's, I don't know, I just figure that's what the boys take hunting or camping or whatever. So. Like, yes, but you also want your trail vehicle to be in reliable condition so you don't get stuck. Well, there wasn't much information about this, but these guys are from Pennsylvania as well. So, like, did they drive this hunk of junk all the way up here? Or did they just, like, come up here and buy a beater to drive around in? That's what I couldn't figure out. Because if they just bought it sight unseen and were like, hell yeah, we'll drive it around for the two weeks we're going to be here and then we'll send it to the dump. Sure, mm-hmm. this guy, this these fam, this family is quite wealthy. Okay. Um, they say that like even at this time he could have had like upwards of like two thousand dollars of like travel money on him because he could have just been like, kind of a big spend. Well, two grand in the fifties is a lot of money. Yeah. If I was going away for two weeks, I would have two grand now. <laughs> Probably like, more than in this economy. Well, yeah, I guess at this two whole <laughs> weeks. Okay, maybe a week. <laughs> it's going to, like, barely feed you. I was going to say 2023 is wild, Food people. alone. Like, food alone is... You have to budget so much more nowadays. I'm planning for a trip in two months. That's why I'm like, we're going to be gone for about ten days, and I will probably budget... Well, there will be two of us, but I guess double that. Yeah, well, it's two there, of you. But... It's a little weird, though, because you can kind of merge it together because you're eating meals together and stuff. But <sighs> anyway, back to the story. Um, we'll come to find out later from, um, like some recounts of the story and witness testimony or in witness interviews that on the 10th, a man, um, uh, a man named Wilbert, not Wilbur, Wilbert. Okay. Coffin. Does it not sound like he should be like a vampire? Wilbert (laughs) Coffin. Absolutely. At least he had to have been born in October. Uh, he was. Really? This we'll is, get to it, but I, I he might have been, actually. Spooky season name. It is spooky season, right? Uh. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just get to his information now, because, yes, he was. And he was born, like, the week of Halloween. <gasps> no way. So, yeah. Wilbert Coffin was born October 23rd of 1915 in York, Ontario. Um, he was possibly from a farming family. It's hard to tell back then what the records are, but that's kind of what it seems like his family was doing. His parents were Albert and Jessica Coffin. Okay. Albert Coffin and Wilbert Coffin. Somehow, ah! even with the Coffin last name, those are still not as spooky. As Wilbert? No. I don't know what's spooky about it. Like, I like it. I there's, just, but, like, the thing is, just it's a such a dorky name on its own. There's just a vibe to it. There is. He was one 
to an additional six siblings. Okay. So there's four boys Seven and three total. girls. Seven siblings. Yeah. Math. He was a Canadian prospector as a young adult. He had gone into training for it. This is like the first step in any type of like geological development. Like he would go in and survey a site, let them know what kind of like rocks, minerals, precious metals, all that kind of stuff are there before they would ever start working just to let them know like what the plan would be and what they'd have to do. I did not know what a prospector was before this. Okay, I'm glad that you like researched that and told us about it cuz I was going to be like what is a Canadian prospector? Oh, I had no fucking that clue. Sounds really cool. And Part I mean it language. is a cool job. It just it sounds Oh, totally. really important. <laughs> I know. When I was, like, researching it, like, you know, when certain sites will, like, highlight a word, like Wikipedia does sometimes, where you can, like, hover over it. Fortunately, I was on, like, a Britannica-style site that did, and I, like, hovered over it, and it told me, and I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. And then I clicked on it, and I was reading about it, and I was like, okay, this is actually kind of a cool job. That's As someone cool who game. really liked rocks and minerals and, like, earth science in school, that was pretty cool. He would, like, go in and geologically explore an area. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Prospector. Prospector. Doesn't it sound real bougie, though? It sounds really And it turns really out to bougie. be this, like, very, like, Jurassic Parky Indiana Jones job where he's, like, bushwhacking and, like, collecting samples. I like Crazy. It. He met Marion Petrick and had planned to marry her, although they were not married yet. They had had a son together. Okay. That's as far as they had gotten in their family plans when all of this starts to unfold, where he pulls over to be a nice citizen, helps them with their pulled over vehicle, because it's a hunk of junk and they're not going very far. Right. What's up with you and all the nice Samaritans pull, like pulling over to help people with their cars? I don't know. <laughs> I was just thinking because you recently I did didn't a case like this, this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I didn't choose this, you guys. Like the specific part you didn't choose. No, I didn't choose like a theme. Oh, that was well, that's, yeah. I, I assumed I, as much. It's weird. But like he drives away from this and nothing really happens at okay. this point. So like this is just a little one-time thing it's not like where there's like this big ploy to like pull over and be these like sneaky citizens okay that case was horrible it was awful yeah so eugene and the boys absolutely loved hunting and this trip was planned to be two weeks long as we said however back in the 50s there's no cell phones there's no communication with someone who's out in the bush even now, when my grandpa goes out hunting, he's unreachable, mm-hmm. even with a cell phone. So it's not shocking. So when they don't come home for another week or two, she's not overtly shocked because it's summertime and maybe the hunting trip's just going great. Sure. However, like, when they start to, like, July is really starting. Because remember, they left, like, June 5th. Yeah. When, like, July time. 1st rolls around, she's kind of like... Okay, something's wrong. So she calls Canadian authorities and it reports her whole group missing. Her husband, her son, and her son's friend. Yeah. On July 8th, a search party was in full swing for the men. They immediately take it seriously. They believe that they say after what 
is a fortnight of hunting these men should want to return home. A fortnight. I love that. Well, and you'd think that they probably only brought a certain amount of food and water and things like that for the amount of time that they were gone, right? Yeah, and from the sounds of it, like, she wasn't, the wife wasn't overtly concerned. I think she was more hoping that exactly that, like, someone in the city would say, like, oh, they came back in for supplies, like, two days ago. It's no worries. She, I kind of figured it would be like that. Yeah. I don't think she expected it to be, like, an actual missing persons. I think she just wanted, like, Okay, can you see if anyone's seen them? Yeah, like, what are they called? A wellness check. Sure. Like, it was more like that. Like, yeah. she wasn't like, get them home. She was just like, tell me they're okay. Yeah, okay. By the 13th, the search party locates Eugene's body in the woods. It seems to have been mauled by bears. Oh. Oh, no. The boys' bodies, or young men's bodies, are located a few days later on the 17th in a similar fashion about four kilometers away from Eugene's body. Um, Upon further inspection, though, at the time, they find that one of the men, specifically Eugene, his cause of death was not the bears. He actually has one single gunshot wound as well. Oh, okay. So police and a medical examiner, when reviewing the bodies out in the woods, believe that the bodies were likely killed, or sorry, the young men were likely killed about a month earlier with the conditions of the bodies. So meaning if they're located on, say, the 13th at the earliest, and they, so they were thinking they were probably killed around, like, the 13th of June, if not a bit earlier, depending on weather conditions, they could have actually been killed like, shortly after they were last seen by Coffin when he helped fix their car for them. Right. Like, not long after at all. No, no. Like, maybe right after. Because, again, that month is a very, very rough timeline. Yeah. It could be a month and two days, and it could have been right after Coffin saw them. Who knows? Located later were many of the men's items and belongings. They were kind of strewn, like, up the side of the road, down the side of a ditch, along a riverbed, um, including even, like, Eugene's wallet, but with no money or anything in it. But they were able to identify that it was his. They almost suggest, or authorities almost suggest that items were possibly, like, thrown from a vehicle mm-hmm. or, like... Maybe someone got out of their car and threw stuff from, like, a the ledge down to the riverbed. Yeah. The items could have been in the river and have washed up. It could be multiple things, given the timeline being so far out from the time of the attack as well. Yeah. Or quoting attack. Um, but with the rise and fall of the river, the items could have just been in the river. Were they found close to the river? Yep, some items were just found on, like, the riverbank on the roadside and then, like, up the ditch to it. It would be the items on the roadside that would be hard. But the men, were they found close to the river? Because I guess my question would be, how did the items get there in the first place? I don't think they were far from the river in general as hunters because you usually walk along a river. Right. So that would just be my assumption. However, I didn't have any good indication of it. I, know, I, I guess this case is kind of old, so for me, for yeah, there where there's probably a lot of things that we don't know, but like for a wallet, for example, if it's in your pocket, what are the chances that 
even if the river rises and the body is about you're floating in it that your wallet would actually like float out of your pocket and everything would fall out that just seems slightly unlikely yeah I didn't even really think of it that way I just assumed that everything was like maybe in like his backpack or something if they were hiking through the woods and maybe the backpack just went in the river yeah um but fair point and a lot of this is that we should be questioning all these things as we go yeah, I just um, think of everything I've seen on, I mean, documentaries and things like that for water specifically, um, while evidence and stuff will obviously be gone, things don't, like, unless there's a current, things aren't going to be, like, pulled out of a pocket or, like, pulled away. You'd think a wallet would still have, like, cards and cash in it and things like that even if it like fell out of a backpack and it was floating in the river like it would probably just still be intact unless again it was in this huge current or something well we know these guys had money so they could be a target for a robbery anyway those are just likely that's just the way that my brain thinks it seems a lot more likely to me that like either they were robbed or maybe it was thrown and everything flew out of it and then they just found the empty wallet like that i don't know that makes more sense to me yeah but again i don't well we'll get to more information then we'll decide cuz a lot yeah, of missing variables i went variables. back and forth throughout all of this case on how i felt about it sure So the Lindsay family, Eugene and Richard, um, had some dealings back in Pennsylvania with some not-so-ideal crowds. Sounds like maybe Richard had dabbled in some trouble, maybe hung out with some bad groups, and could have potentially been targets of some kind of attack, and maybe someone to use the hunting trip as an excuse to cover it up. That was one avenue that police were investigating at the time. Alongside this, local police were also investigating the individuals of the town, asking if they had seen anything, anything memorable from that day, or if anything stood out around that time. When asking local workers who worked up in the bushes in the area um, if there was anything they recalled, one worker said that he was scheduled to work that day, and he mentioned, and it was mentioned by a friend that his co-worker, Coffin, and him were meant to be leaving at 6 a.m. to go and prospect an area, but when he got to his house, it seemed like Coffin had left early without him. Hmm. When Coffin was asked about it later, though, he said, like, that guy really slows me down, and I just wanted to get my work done, so... Fair. Could get that part, too. I mean, yeah, we'll see where that goes, but um, I can... It does happen to be, like, the day of all of this happening, which is unusual, or around the time of it happening, which is unusual. Um, I can appreciate that, but also that is not being a team player, sir. No. No, no, no. No, no. So this is where Coffin, like we heard earlier, though, ran into the boys, or... Richard, at least, on the side of the road with the car broken down. Right. So Richard was waiting with the car, um, and Coffin runs into him. They kind of take a look at the car together, and then Richard decides to go with Coffin into town to pick up the pump that's needed for the car because, remember, the engine's flooded. So they go, they get the new pump, and then he drives him back 
And then he goes off to work. So he's like going into the woods working and the guys go back to their campsite and they're doing what they're doing. But before he leaves, he notices that there's two other men that have appeared at the campground in a wood panel Jeep. And so there's Eugene, Frederick, these two guys, and then Richard and Coffin. So there's six of them total. They like hang around. They give him a meal. They're like, thanks so much for helping us. Let us cook for you. They chat. They thank him. They give him a knife and some cash for gas. It sounds like the round trip to go get this pump was like 100 kilometers and they gave him like $40. So I don't think that's an astronomical amount of money to be found with. No, and um, that was probably quite a bit of money in the 50s, like would have been the equivalent of what he needed to do that trip kind of thing. Yeah, and these guys were well off and they're out like butt fuck nowhere. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you probably make it worth his while well absolutely and i think part of the reason they do that is because coffin is working like in the woods past where they are and he's going to be driving back the next day and he's kind of said like if you want like i'll check back in on you and if you need anything else i'll help you out tomorrow too so they were kind of like make good on this guy i think because he's gonna be like our meal ticket if we can't get this car started tomorrow he's gonna get us out of here essentially totally So he does that. The next day, he goes to check in. The car's sitting there. So he, like, sits for a little bit to see if he, like, sees anyone or hears anyone. But there's no sight of anyone. Nothing's going on. So he just leaves. He assumes the guys have fixed the car and gone off on their hunting trip and gone into the woods. Fair. So after he heads back into towards town, he decides to go into Montreal to meet his girlfriend. They're going about their life, just hanging out in Montreal, doing things together, when suddenly, after some time passes, and again, this is where the timeline's a little gray, is he sees on the news that these three men are missing. So now he goes, okay, I've seen these men. I can help. I know, like, exactly where they were. So he actually goes back and offers to help. Oh, okay. Because he's like, well, why wouldn't I? I was in the woods and I worked that job. Like, I almost have, like, a map of exactly where they'd be. Yeah, exactly. He, I mean, he would be considered the last person to have seen them alive at this point. Exactly. And that's kind of the how we got those pieces put together is he comes back and helps them with their car and this and that. So, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he tells authorities that he saw them the week of the 10th. He helped with their car and explains the whole situation. The garage even confirms that, yeah, him and the other guy came here, picked up a part, and left. This was not at all shocking, but when they decide to hold him to build a case now because he's the last person that saw them, even though he's, like, this good Samaritan that shows up, he's, like, kind of dumbfounded, but no one around the community is surprised. They're like, well, duh, you saw them last. Like, no one thinks anything of it. They're just like, yeah, that makes sense. They immediately decide to charge him with murder, and they, because they find in his possession, in addition to the items that were gifted to him, he finds a suitcase and a few other items that he had never mentioned. Right. This is when he admits that, yeah, the night that he, or the day he met them, that night he, like, got drunk like a little bit drunk leaving their site and stole some of their items because they're rich and he was like i yeah i drank a bit and i stole some of their stuff like what wilbert i know right 
my gosh. He just tucked it in that coffin Which, and dawdled off. Oh, that doesn't look good, man. No. This is where it kind of gets a little bit, it looks a little bit worse for him still. Hoffman was also in possession of a firearms that, for all intents and purposes, had matching qualities to the gun. We don't know that it was the one used, but he had the same style and type of firearm in his possession. And it was because a friend of his even came forward and said, like, yeah, I lent him that gun a while back because he was going into the woods. So I know he had it. This is the weird part, though. When they go to pretrial with all this circumstantial evidence, which don't get me wrong, I agree, it looks really bad. Even the judge looks at it and kind of goes like, this is so freaking circumstantial, guys. Like, yeah. Circu- I, mean, I don't know. Circumstantial evidence can be really good evidence, but it's best used to back up concrete evidence. Like, that's really when you want to use They're it They're like the, the cherry on top. Yeah, I mean, sometimes... You don't have a choice, Um, Mm -hmm. but if it's not super concrete circumstantial evidence, like, I think this is all fairly loose, in my opinion, Uh, it would only... you feel that way? It would only be used to back up something really concrete, like, you know, a confession, for example. Or, like, DNA, you know? I mean, yeah, DNA for me is, like, how do you argue that? Uh, I mean, it depends on where it's found and what kind of DNA and all that kind of stuff, but um, it's just a little bit more foolproof and tough for a defense to get around because it's DNA, and if it's analyzed properly and it's tested properly, it's like, well... What are you going to do? Well, um, but, you know, something like a confession that you can... You know, you can argue as coarse and things like that. If you have enough circumstantial evidence to back back it up, it makes your case, like, that much stronger. Yeah. So. No, I agree. And I think the judge in the pretrial hearing also agrees yeah. because he was so on the fence about throwing out this case, though. Yeah. He was like, I don't know. But the community, and it sounds like the premier at the time, really pushed for this to go through. They were like, no, we need to, like, stand our ground, prove a point. Like, he destroyed our, like, one of our most beautiful tourism areas by doing this kind of thing as well. Like, well, we um, need to hold someone accountable. I hate to say it, but the time period this is taking place as well. Um, it, yeah. Right? I had the same thought the entire time, and had this been 20 years later, I probably would have been more frustrated and annoyed, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, given the time of this, I was like, mm. yeah, I don't really expect more than what they did. No, um, no, it's not surprising. Um, we've seen lots of cases like this come out of you know, like kind of the fifties and sixties mm-hmm. and earlier. Well, and the kicker was to like push the case to go through. Was like, I hate to say it, they essentially said like him leaving town after he was done work was him fleeing. Right. So it made him look guilty and they were like, well, I guess with that, we'll try it. So he lets the trial move forward. Locals recall him spending like 
slightly more lavishly prior to the arrest as well. So they were hoping that more and more locals would come forward after, like, he was actually arrested feeling safer. To acknowledge, too, that, like, when he would dine in restaurants right after, he would be, like, a very big tipper and this and that. But I have a hard time with that because apparently he was in Montreal, so those people don't know him. So how do they call him a big tipper if that's just his standard of tipping? Maybe he's worked in the industry. What's wrong with being a big tipper? Right? Like what? I agree. What's the, what's the issue with that? Nothing. Maybe. There's nothing wrong with a big tip. Uh, all right. So after 16 days in holding, being questioned... police bring forward other men to ask him to identify the two additional americans that were at the campsite with the wood panel jeep that night they bring in two men and he even vouches up and down the wall like those are not them so he's like admitting that other people aren't guilty and he's helping them in every way he can and they are still just building this case around... I don't know. It just makes me feel kind of bad because I do believe he was wrongly convicted. I'm just going to say it now. Yeah. And that is why this case is so controversial because it is up for debate. Mm. But... Uh, where was I? Uh, he says no to them being the other two Americans. Most of the community, including the media and local authorities otherwise... Um, believe that he's innocent. They're like, at this point, given the evidence you have, we also don't believe that there's anything to go on. Um, so it's really sad to see that the community, the media, parts of the legal system are all going like, mm, I don't know if we should try this guy. And for some reason, he is still getting tried. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't really try someone for murder because you think they did it like you you have well, to def- yeah or go ahead i was gonna say you have to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that they did do it and while i can appreciate that it's definitely uh an unfortunate coincidence or maybe not a coincidence that he was there and stop to help them at the you know the exact same time like i can see why um is there any information about like them collecting ballistics to actually compare nothing no there was no bullet to compare Hmm. and these i mean these are the types of cases that we normally see go unsolved because there's not enough evidence to convict somebody or to even arrest them and well, charge and them with murder yeah and sometimes we're fortunate enough that it's a case where they were intuitive enough to hold on to information for later testing yeah and there's a, a little bit of that at the end we'll see but mm-hmm. not a lot this was unfortunately not a case that was well yeah. reviewed I would say in a lot of ways sure. or had the ability to be like the investigation um, wasn't thorough yeah sure. um yeah at trial the defense calls no witnesses nor do they call Wilbert to speak on his own behalf as the only person there the trial still somehow lasts 19 days <laughs> I mean yeah. I don't know how prosecution loves to take up time 
in uh, in a trial. Yeah. <laughs> they take up the bulk of it, usually. <laughs> I mean, how much do you really have to say about the supposed bad guy? As much case, as you though. can when your evidence is weak. Yeah, I guess so. Ultimately, the jury found him guilty. Wow. He was sentenced to be hung. And on February 10th of 1956, so quite rapid succession as we've talked about, at 12.01 at the Montreal-Bordeaux prison, Wilbert Coffin was hung. He was denied the right just before being hung at his only request, which was to marry his common-law wife to make her an honest woman for his son. He was denied that request, as mentioned. He said that he just didn't feel... The court didn't feel that that was decent to let him do that prior to his hanging. So he was not allowed to. Wow. His son was eight at the time, and he's like, I just want to make, like, an honest woman of her. However, it may be easier for his child to go through life with the maiden name as opposed to Coffin, if she was to change it for any reason, so... But who knows? He might have Coffin as a last name already. Yeah. Huh. The men in the Jeep were never identified or really looked into beyond this point, but a couple on a small local ferry, I'm assuming something like how we have to our small islands, mm-hmm. uh, also said they saw the man with the matching wood paneling on the side, and one gentleman even said he believes his wife spoke to one of the men, oh. and yet they still were not looked into, even though someone saw them face to face. Rumors swirled about the Jeep reappearing in 1977. It was, like, trashed apart in the woods. um, But there really, like, wasn't much information about it. However, I actually found more information from, like, people commenting on the little bits that were there. Saying, like, I remember this. This was such a huge deal. And people were saying it was a huge deal. But there's still being so little information. Which, I don't know, makes me feel weird about it. Like, there's something more to this. But, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm just being an idiot. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I think when there's not enough information, we try to piece it together, right? We try to fill in, our brains naturally try to fill in the blanks, so. Yeah, it's just like, we come to find out in a second, and I'll just say it now, who cares? Like, the premier at the time seemed to, like, not want to destroy the tourism industry, and this case could have, it sounds like, so... They just wanted to clean it up and get it out of here. Yeah, so, like, I just wonder if, from the community saying, like, that's a huge deal, and then this guy... Did the Jeep just get swept under the rug, I guess is what I'm wondering, or did it ever actually get looked at as something? Yeah, I mean, I think there's an argument for... You know, they found an easy... Both. I think there's an argument for, like, they found an easy answer, you know? It's like, Mm -hmm. we need to find somebody and we need to get this dealt with ASAP. This person is easy. Like, he's put himself there, let's just say it's him. exactly. Um, But, I mean, there's arguments for both sides, I think, which is why so many people are on different sides of the coin. Yep. November of 1958, following um, 
Wilbert's hanging. Frederick Francis Thompson, a 35-year-old man, uh, was arrested in Miami and also admits to committing this crime. He's in Miami with a friend and Tommy Green, who was not arrested with him at the time. And when being questioned, he admits to killing a father and son that were out with a guide. Now, local community members assumed that potentially thought that Clark was perceived to be like a guide because he was older than the son but younger than the dad and kind of the right age to look like he could have been showing the other two around. Right. And potentially... I think there's reason to believe that if a father and son were attacked, you would be able to know their father and son. Like, the son might say dad. Yeah. In some capacity. So, I think there's reason to believe that maybe the third man could have been perceived as a guide, although he wasn't. He says, he, although he did not kill the guide, he cannot be sure that his friend, Green, potentially did not go back and kill the third member as a witness or someone who could have just reported them in any capacity. He does say, though, that he dismembered the bodies that he killed, mm -hmm. and police say that doesn't match the crime scene. Right. But... Okay, the bodies might not have been dismembered, but one body's head was never recovered and another body was found in three pieces. So not dismembered, but maybe he used the wrong word when he said, like, cut up. Yeah, I can see that I, I just sure. think there's a lot of things here that should have been looked further into. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. We're just poking some holes. No, for sure. They... As in the local authorities dismiss pretty much everything Francis says as crazy talk. They think this is outrageous. He's just this crazy guy that's walked in here with some story that doesn't really match. And it's a false confession. Yeah. What, and I think that's where the issue lies is that a lot of these other theories or a lot of these other avenues weren't even looked into. They're just kind of dismissed. And I mean, we don't actually know... Um, the work that was done behind the scenes if they were just dismissed as nothing or if they did look into them or not but it feels like they were just kind of sloughed off yes and i think that's where everybody who looks into this case says like wrongful conviction question mark and it's just the question mark is that you didn't disprove all the other avenues yeah. for me to feel confident that this man should have just been hung for this. Yeah. Yeah. We're not saying that he absolutely didn't do it, but there's a lot of other like what ifs that weren't like, There's a reason that like 20 years later, the death penalty was just like demolished here. De <laughs> Whatever. It just shouldn't be a thing. We don't use it responsibly. So why do we have it? Three days after police disprove this, like, crazy story, Francis, like, completely changes his story. His family members come forward and say, like, he could have never done this anyway because he was, like, seeking treatment. He was working with doctors and he was actually in a facility at the time. Okay. So, of course, police are like, okay, great. We're not even going to corroborate it. We believe you. They just take their word for it. Oh. Someone in a later date looks into it a little further upon their own time and review and find that those 
allegations that he was in a facility were correct, but from a year prior at the same time. Mm. So was that just a slip of their mind because it was looked into at a later date? Or, like, it was a year later, so maybe they just had the year wrong? Or were they trying to pull a fast one? We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, It really could be any of those. Yeah, it's not... I wrote the date wrong in an email today, so... Like, it happens, you know? <laughs> like, we all do that thing where you write the year wrong when, like, the year rolls over for, like, That's two, what it was three, for. Five. I was saying a year for January for next year, and I said 2023, and it was oh the whole God. thing. Yeah, so I get it. It happens. I remember when we used to have to, like, date, like, six months deals out mm-hmm. for stuff, and when it would be, like july august and you know that january date's creeping in and just like your brain shorts out for like a month because you're like ah what's the year i don't know yeah same with when my birthday rolls around i forget how old i am Whew, that's a tough one it is that ever happens to me because i always start calling myself my future age like a few months prior I don't. I like to just revel in what I am for the full 12 months. I guess you still get 12 months. You just do it from three months early to three months early. Pretty much. Okay. So you don't lose any time, which was my concern. Not anymore. I mean, I, I did it some, at one point. Well, yeah, it's like That's actually like just time something change. that I carried over from my mom, though, because she always did that to me. So it's just a, it's, this is a learned behavior. It's just so she didn't forget. No, it's because she used it to be like, you're 17 years old. Like, just to make it a little bit more dramatic (laughs) of how old I was and that I should be being responsible. You know? Okay, Sandy, we see you. (laughs) Anyways. We see you, Sandy. So, police were very quick to cling on to this one fact that when in court, Richard's mother was asked about the possessions that belonged to Richard that were found in Coffin's possession. And she specifically goes in detail about the knife that he had on him, saying that that knife was like a prized possession. It was so important to him. Like, he never would have gifted it to someone, especially a stranger. So the fact that that knife was on him made the mother believe that there was potential for this to have been, like, a theft or stuff stolen from them mm-hmm. because he just she just didn't believe that her son would give up that knife for like potentially no reason mm-hmm. like there were other items they could have gifted him yeah also like the money probably would have been enough and the meal for the help and like we already know that he did steal from them yeah like he even said like yeah Which again, and he did heavily drink so doesn't bode well I don't know. Did he actually steal the knife not knowing? Or did he steal... Yeah, there's just so many options. Yeah. Coffin's sister tried to clear his name, like, well into her 80s because she truly believed that he did not commit this crime. She just didn't want his name going, like, their family name going down like that because no one else after her was going to be fighting to clear his name. So it was, like, her life mission. However... She was not successful. And I think even if she cleared his name, it wouldn't have really changed anything at this point after so many years. Right. Like, the story is already told the way it's told through this community. And we don't know for sure that it's another avenue, so it's really hard to argue that anyway. Yeah. 
A 2006 coroner named Lionel Rio said that he, like, almost wholeheartedly would bet money that Coffin was innocent. Um, he wouldn't disclose why in case this, co- in case this case is ever, <laughs> in case this case, okay, Dr. Seuss, in case this case is ever brought forth in front of a judge again, yeah, even posthumously to clear his name, he wants to be able to speak on his behalf with what he's found. Right. But he says that, as I mentioned before, he is heavily leaning into the fact, and it is weighing on him, that the premier at the time, Maurice Duplessis, wanted a quick settlement and to return to safe, comfortable tourism in the area. And so he would like to look into more the rapid succession, like we've talked about, of how information was processed and what was done in the time frame to make sure that anything else was ruled out. Because it seems like we've said they just took the first easy option and were like, shut that down, get that settled. Like, get that out of here. It feels that way, for sure. It does, and yeah. it might not be. Yeah, then that's why I say, like, we don't know actually what work was done behind the scenes, especially because this no. is such an old case and there's limited information. Like, maybe there was a full-scale investigation and they're just, like, were awful notes. And maybe alibis were, like, bing, bang, boom. Yeah, and they didn't tell anybody. Like, may- maybe there was awful reporting on it. Who knows? But It just, I, like, didn't come out in court. And I, I do agree with you that often if the case is, like, big enough... Um, and, you know, people locally were saying that it was so huge and all this, like, normally that is semi-known. Um, and like you said, it, if it didn't come out in court, again, that would be, like, something that they would normally be testifying about to strengthen the Crown's case. So yeah. it seems unlikely, but without full... I just have so many questions. Yep, I would say so. But they're questions that I unfortunately know that I'll never get answered because the people that are needed to answer these questions probably don't exist anymore. They're mm-hmm. no longer living. Yeah. And I think that minimal information that could dispute any of these topics wouldn't have been maintained because they didn't want that to be able to happen. Well, and if there wasn't really any evidence collected at the scene or anything like that, all, all of it's just going to be hearsay at this point. One one really interesting theory that I heard that I actually think could be true is that nobody murdered anybody. What if there was, like, a bear that came into their sight, Mm -hmm. one of the boys tried to shoot the bear, accidentally shot the dad. Dad gets mauled by a bear. Boys start running. They make it two kilometers. This is the season where bears are starting to come out with babies. They're starving. They'll attack anybody that's near a baby. Mm-hmm. What if then the boys run off and the bears run after them? Two kilometers is nothing for a bear. Yeah, it's very possible. Because everyone's mauled by a bear and there's one gunshot. It just seems weird to yeah, me. Yeah, that. Well, and I was gonna ask, I was gonna ask about that. Is there any other injuries on the two people who weren't shot? Nope. Um, because that doesn't even make sense. No, nope. and he was only ever charged with one count of murder. And, like, did he just drive by and shoot once? Because wouldn't he have also been mauled by a bear if he was there? And yeah, that's what I would have assumed. Unless they're saying, like, the 
boys took off and he attacked Eugene and shot him and then later a bear came in. And then also attacked the boys. That's too coincidental. Right? Like that doesn't work. Not everybody that goes in the bush gets mauled by a bear. And if bear... Oh my god, I have such a funny story to tell you after. If bear attacks weren't like a huge thing in that area at the time either, like it wasn't this big huge thing that was happening at the time, it doesn't even make sense that they would have been mauled at two different locations at like basically the same time. Right? I do like that theory. I know. Um, I was listening to, actually, while I was unpacking after I was doing my notes, I was just like, had a podcast about this playing in the background thinking can get some extra info and it just happened to be someone in the area who also knew about the jeep story like an older gentleman and he brought that for forward and i was like that is such an interesting that's an interesting theory it's like one of the only ones that i'm like okay that like actually kind of makes sense to me like that has legs in my opinion yeah and like totally makes sense because it could have happened a few days after it makes this guy left And went about his life as well. It makes no sense to me that somebody would only shoot one person and then everybody would get attacked by a bear. Right? Like... On what planet? But I could see someone being attacked by a bear and someone trying to shoot the bear and shooting the person. While while the bear attacked. Or mercy shooting the person if they're struggling, dying, being like... Well, Someone think about it. If a I mean. bear is like attacking somebody, and you try and shoot it while the people are fighting, and you said that he took his these people hunting to like teach them, like he was going with his son. So they're not. So super- no, they were just going on like a fun trip, but yeah, they're not with anyone who's so highly he's skilled not or trained. A super experienced hunter, or he's a kid. Absolutely, I would probably miss. Well, and like, what if? Say, like, I was just thinking of logistically how it could work, too. It's a very interesting theory. Yeah, I honestly, like, that's why I waited till the very end, even though it was, like, something I just heard, but I was, like, light bulb. That makes, like, a lot of sense to me, yeah. And it would make sense how the month timeline would work out, too, because we're saying, like, okay, he's, he was there on the... 10th but they're saying potentially they die closer to the 15th based on what they know Mm -hmm. so that could work out Mm -hmm. so very interesting that's so sad like that's you know I guess he may have done it we haven't disproved it but that's you know one extra person that may have lost their life and didn't need to yeah I am like so torn because I do believe that there is a high likelihood that this guy was inaccurately sorry, sent to death. Like wrongly convicted, yeah. I think there's yeah, also I the just, people that say will say, like, the easiest answer is usually the, the right, right answer. answer. Yeah. Where I there's mean, smoke, there's fire. You hear that, you know, you hear that all the time where the, you know, the simplest answer is usually the, the correct answer. Um, so I, I get that too, but I don't know. I just, somebody comes forward to say, Hey, like I saw these people and this is when I saw them because they see them missing. It's just, it's too innocent. I don't know. Yeah. And it would have to be so calculated, and this guy doesn't also, sound like he like, was like that. Yeah, like, the 
Yeah, that's very calculated. Seem like he was a bad guy either. Like there right. was no. Like yeah, he had probably run in some bad groups. He wasn't like he was just an average Joe at the mm-hmm. time. I I found nothing to say though that Wilbert was like this horrible person beforehand, or, or that like anybody suspected he could be like no. capable of something like this. Because you no. you hear that sometimes too, right? When somebody gets arrested and then people around them are like, oh. That well, kind of makes sense. Or, yeah, or like this behavior, yeah. or that behavior, or it's people that are like, I had like no idea. Um, Holy fuck, him? Really? I never would have guessed it. Yeah, so I don't know. That's a hard one. Every time I hear people go like, "What them?" I never would have guessed that. I think of Chris Watts. Yeah, and then I'm also in the camp of like, you know, you never really know anybody, but from all accounts, it sounds like I know you. Just the fact that he went to police to give them the information. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, okay, well. Like, he went to, like, a different town to be like, hey, guys, I want to help. Yeah. Like, Like, the mechanic otherwise would have just said, like, oh, I remember him being here with some guy picking up a part for his car. And it probably would have ended at that. Mm -hmm. Like, he physically went back and inserted himself in the case, not in the way we think, but... Not in the bad yeah. way. Not in the bad <laughs> Not way. Not in the bad way. He was just trying to I'm help. just torn. Yeah, it's just one of those cases where it's like we always say, if you see something, say something, and then it could have bit this guy in the ass. Yeah, he was just trying to be helpful and... This well, happened. shit. You really left us on, like, a question mark there. Yeah. Think about it. Let me know what you think, because... I don't doubt that someone would want to save the tourism industry in their province. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that's far off. So, and it's not yeah. the first time that we've heard, you know, of no. motives like that or, you know, wanting to just wrap it up and get rid of it. Um, it's a similar, there's a documentary recently about the Vegas shooting. Um, and they were talking a lot about that. Like Vegas really just wanted to sweep that under the rug and move on because they don't want to lose money. Um, they can't shut. We watched the documentary on it on yeah. Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of Jason Aldean, but I'm okay with it. It is a lot um, of Jason Aldean, but um, I did. I definitely I liked it in the sense that it was very real. It wasn't like glamorized. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Yes. Yeah, I I actually quite liked it. I also, if you like that kind of documentary and like is in heavy air quotes there, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's called 77 Minutes as well, which is the McDonald's shooting that happened in the States. Um, What's really interesting is like the documentary is 77 Minutes. It's called 77 Minutes. That's how long the attack lasted. That's very thoughtful. So it's just like kind of interesting the way they did that. So. Worth checking those two out. Those are my pod recommendations. Well, thank you for that because I was going to say we're running really low on documentaries to the point that yesterday Brandon was like, Netflix is really letting me down. (laughs) Come on, Netflix. Um, Oh, have you, do you have Disney Prime? Disney Disney Prime. Yes. Disney Plus? Yeah. Amazon Plus and Disney Prime. We've cycled through it. Okay. All of them. So if you have any suggestions, perhaps something like a little bit more unorthodox or even on like a like YouTube or something, because I can always stream it to the TV. 
Uh, let me know because I'm looking Highly for... recommend, too, getting free samples of channels on Amazon Prime. Like, Discovery Plus has an amazing true crime section. I never thought of that. Um, taking their, like, 30-day trials and cycling through their crime sections is always good. That's what I do for new stuff. And then after a month, I cancel it. And then maybe six months from now, do it again. It's fair. I like it. So, check out Podcast by Proxy on Instagram for more saving tips. <laughs> for literally nothing. Because I still haven't posted. So. Well, as soon as I'm done unpacking one more room, to a certain extent, I'll be willing to sh- do a little walkabout video. Okay. Beautiful. But not till I show you and you come here in person. <laughs> okay. Well, stay okay. tuned for Katie's um, house reveal, I guess we'll call it. But otherwise, yeah. I'm trying to figure out us. my vibe. <laughs> That's fair. I feel like we're kind of in that age where I want to say our styles are changing, but we're like actually figuring out our style. Like in the I feel last. Like it's more like settling into it. Yeah, in the last couple of years, I've really. I was always really like style curious, and I really didn't have a style. Like I was just kind of like. It's true, you didn't. No, I just wanted a little bit of everything, and I feel like maybe it comes with confidence and becoming older and just, like, kind of knowing who you are a little bit more, but I feel like I'm really settling into a style that is, like, mine, and I like it. I 10 out of 10 agree with you. I literally got rid of so much stuff when I was moving, going, I don't think this is my vibe anymore. I don't think this is my look anymore. I don't think this is how I feel anymore. Same with clothes right now. Like, I really had the same clothes, and there were certain things I wouldn't get. I think we already talked about this, but, like, that I wouldn't get for, like, years and years and years. And, anyway, clothing transformation. (laughs) Transformation. But, uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Threads. Threads. Um, And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, please leave a five-star rating and review. It would help us so much. And also probably make our day. Um, it would make my day. Yeah. When I get those little pop-ups on my phone that say, you have a new review, it you makes my day. That would stress me out. Um, but also, if you have a case suggestion, please email it. Podcastbyproxy at gmail.com. Um, we need to get our surplus of case suggestions back up. We really cycled through a lot of them there yeah. for a bit. So um, that's it. That's it for me. And thank you, Robin, for the suggestion. I figured I'd leave it till the end. It was a great suggestion. I actually have your email up in front of me. It was amazing. Um, yes, so thank you. Thank Keep you so much for that. It actually had two suggestions in it, one of which was and the Andrew case we just covered oh, okay. and then this one. Yeah. So I was really thankful. She gave us like a BOGO. Thank you. And you know how I love a BOGO. We love BOGO here at Podcast by Proxy. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's it for me. I'm going to go keep unpacking. Okay, bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fuck me.